Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. How's it going? What's up? Nothing. I'm sipping on actually some tequila water. Oh, wow. That's a really beautiful cup that you're drinking it out of. Thank you. Shout out to Christine Camozzi. She got this for me for um, Christmas. We love Christine Camozzi. I love her so much. She deserves a shout out. It's an absolutely gorgeous day today. I spent like all day just basking in the sun and I'm a little sunburned because redhead life, but I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Like I I'm should. feeling a little like irritable today though. Like, you know when there's just an underlying like irritable feeling some days? Tell me about it. I don't know what it is. Just at little points today, I felt kind of like, I don't know, like I felt like kind of just making a noise like, ugh. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those weeks. I mean, I've been feeling that this whole week and um, I mean, all we can know is like, at least it's Thursday. It's going to be gorgeous this entire weekend and you know what? I will bask in the sun with you any time of the freaking day. Are you serious? Oh my God. We should do it tomorrow. Remember when we were messaging yesterday and you were like, I wish I could sip tequila with you, but then you're like, just kidding, not tequila. But I miss like yeah. <laughs> you and I jamming, dancing together, dancing to music. <laughs> One thing about Persis that you all should know is that she has an incredible memory for text messages. Like, she will just remember, like, almost verbatim what's texted to her, mostly from, like, people she likes. Like, I I forgot that that text existed. Literally, it was wiped from my memory, and you just remembered it almost verbatim, I think. Are you trying to insinuate that I like you? Yeah. I'm always trying to insinuate that you like me on this podcast. It's up. It's still up for debate. Listeners, do you guys think I like Sarah, or do you think Sarah is just in over her head? That's actually one of our topics that we were thinking of doing. We really, really, that's a really good episode idea. Like do a deep dive on our friendship and like maybe signs I've shown you. Yeah, but I also wonder if maybe that should be like our last episode we ever do at the end of this podcast, whenever that happens. You mean so when we're like 50 years old? Yeah, so when we're 50, it'll be like this P like S. And then you'll be like this whole time I've been in love with you. Oh my God, Sarah, how would you feel? Like, I'm actually being so serious. How would you feel if one day I came up to you and was like, this entire time, our entire seven years of friendship, like, I'm being so serious. Like, I know, I know you're being, I, I, wow. Wow. See guys, see what I have to deal with. I've tried to tell Sarah. Guys. Guys. I just, it's so, okay. No, it's just so. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm 
I'm just picturing. That's what I'm saying. If I tried to like grab Sarah's hand, we could not. I would literally. This is what I'm saying. Like if we could, we can laugh about the possibility of you being like, I've loved you this whole time. And it's just, there's just no, not even like a parallel universe, but, but also maybe (laughs) I don't want the listeners to lose hope. We're trying to keep the mystery alive. So guys, listen, sometimes I react, I react to things in a joking way when I'm really uncomfortable. So maybe this entire time I've been joking with Sarah when deep down my heart is crushed. Yeah. Why is it crushed? Because you're in London. You're far away from me, babe. Oh. Prisla's, in all seriousness, let's jump into this episode because... Me and, me and P have actually been pretty busy lately, so we're kind of recording this on the fly in between life stuff. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into the topic, I just wanted to mention that the listener in our last episode who sent in a mailbag, she loved the episode and she was she was upset though because we always give people code names and she didn't get a code name because she wanted to stay anonymous, but she thought, well, we always give out code names to all of our exes and how dare we not give her a code name so i think that in her honor she should get her own code name i totally totally agree do you want to say a name at the count of three and see if we we know what we're gonna we're gonna do okay hold on okay just think about it sarah i'm, I'm trying to level with you okay okay i'm ready <clears throat> just look at my eyes and then pretend that you can read okay i'm thinking in my mind okay okay okay, okay. Yep. ready yep. okay yep. one one Two, Two, three. three. Emily. Amber. That was kind of close. <laughs> wow. That was pretty close. I was like Amber and you were like Emily. You know what I'm saying? Almost the same. Let's try and find – we'll try one more time. Okay. Something similar to Amber and Emily. Okay, Sarah? What? Okay. okay let's okay. just picture this. I'm going to see if you're thinking like me. There's three best friends. Emily, Amber, who's the third? Three, two, one. Ellie. <laughs> I thought you said it was going to be close to Emily and Amber. No, then I said they were going to be with the best friends. Okay, but they can be three best friends with similar names. Okay, but I like Ellie better, so let's go with Ellie. I think Ellie's really cute. So, listener, your name is Ellie officially on this pod. If y'all hear us say Ellie again, we're talking about her and we love her. Also, she told me in the last episode, we were wondering if people liked when we burst into songs or if they absolutely hated it in every way. And she told us she really liked it. So I think that's a green light to just keep doing it. I really, 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 really like like you. you. Do you like me? Do you want me? Do you like me too? And then the last thing I wanted to mention before we jump into the episode is that Catherine, our very first mailbag gal pal, brought up to us that our first two mailbags were twins. Catherine's a twin, and then Ellie's a twin also. Oh! What are the chances of that? Wow. I think Ellie mentioned in her story that she had a twin, and then Catherine was like, I'm a twin too! Oh, you're you're actually right. Yeah, yeah, That's ringing a bell for me. Damn. Well, we know how to pick them. We know how to pick them mailbags. I wonder if today's mailbag is a twin. Well... We shall find out, audience. Today, we have a really, really awesome mailbag that we're super excited about from a girl named AJ. She lives in NYC. Shout out, NYC represent. NYC. New York. 
Yeah, I'm on that Brooklyn. Now, oh. no, 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 no. Oh. Right next to De Niro. De Niro. But I'll be hood forever. But forever. I'm, I'm the new Sinatra. And since and I made, it, made here. it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to go to that McDonald's. <laughs> Took me to Doesn't Broadway. Oh, my. Doesn't he say that at some point? He does say that. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Shout, out, shout out McDonald's. AJ loves the pod and she wanted to reach out because she felt like she had a really unique perspective that she could share and that would be an interesting um, episode topic and by god she was right today's topic is do i look gay and that's all we're gonna say before we jump into aj's audio let's hear it all right what's up i'm aj i feel like i should have worked on my radio or podcast i guess voice more so i could sound soothing or really smooth but i I think I'll stick to my usual tone. So I guess I'll get right into it. Uh, I've, As I've discussed with Sarah, I have a pretty unique story. Unique in that it's probably very unheard of or unfamiliar to what a lot of people know or have experienced. I've sort of had the opposite problem of what a lot of people face. So I guess some important information I should lay out before I really get into it is that, well, I'm AJ. I'm from New York City, born and raised. I'm a girl, which is pretty important to know for my story. Um, I'm of the female sex, but I've also identified as a woman for my whole life. Uh, I'm going to get into the topic of how stereotypes and growing up experiences can influence how one figures out their identity and sexuality and how that can sort of make it difficult. But before I do that, I think it's important to know a little bit more about me. I'm actually going to share a speech I wrote in 10th grade or grade 10 for my Canadian folks. So here is what 14-year-old AJ had to say to her classmates. June 26, 2013, the day I cut almost all of my hair off. How do I remember this date? Well, it was the last day of third grade, obviously. I was eight years old, and to be honest with you, I had hardly remember what was going through my head. I can tell you, though, sitting at that Lenny's across the street from my elementary school, I was thrilled to be on summer vacation. I had been thinking about cutting my hair, which at the time was pretty long, because I couldn't take care of it. I remember my mom having to stand outside the shower and brush the huge knots out of my hair. It was so painful, I would cry. I didn't want to have to endure that anymore, and the New York City humidity had begun, so why not cut off my hair? That was it. Not much went into my decision. I wasn't thinking about how it would look or what would happen after. I just didn't want to brush my hair anymore. But... Little did eight-year-old AJ know that that decision would change the course of my adolescence and would impact the rest of my life for good. The first memory I have after cutting my hair is right after it happened. I went straight from the hair salon to my doctor for a routine yearly checkup, and what would soon be a common occurrence happened for the first time. My doctor didn't recognize me. Not only did she not recognize me, she thought I was the brother of my sister whom, whom I was with in the office. Yep, her brother. That was, a, that was startling to hear it the first time, but for the next five years, the brother, the son, and the boy is what I would be. To put this in perspective, I really did look like a boy, as much as that might be bad to say, as there is no definition for what a boy looks like. And I will lightheartedly remind you that I was eight, so my body was not giving anything away as to what my sex is. While maybe getting used to hearing people say he and him, and assuming I was the son of my parents was an adjustment, that really didn't bother me. 
I understood and still understand that it was confusing to people. I know I'd be confused if I saw someone look like me in the women's bathroom. So that wasn't surprising. But how people reacted was. Oftentimes, if I wasn't going to see a person ever again and they thought I was a boy, I wouldn't correct them. It wasn't worth the time or seeing their guilt. But sometimes people knowing the truth was inevitable. I'll now share some experiences I had with what strangers would say to me. Let's say I walked into a public bathroom. Of course, I'd get a couple stares, which didn't feel nice being a young child, but every so often, someone would voice their opinions. What the hell are you doing in here? You're not allowed in here. People would yell at me. Or if someone was walking out of the bathroom and I was walking in, they would block the door and tell me to turn around. Yeah, that really happened. I got used to these things. The stares and rude comments didn't really faze me. Honestly, hearing people refer to me as he and him became normal. I mean, even my teachers, friends, and extended family wouldn't get my pronouns right. As I look back on these long five years that I experienced this, what I went through bothers me more now than it did then. I recall a time I was about nine or ten, and I was in a pool over a summer break. I was chatting with some people who I had met at the pool, and I decided to let them know that I was a girl, and that's how I identified. They didn't believe me, which wasn't all that unusual, so I just laughed and was like, no, I really am. What the woman said next didn't process for me at the time, but I now look back and realize the severity. She said, I don't believe you. Prove it. I was confused and said, prove what? She responded aggressively, saying, come on, pull your pants down, let me see. Obviously, I didn't prove it. I left. This was humiliating. I can still remember how I felt my heart thump out of my chest as I ran out of the pool, wondering what had just happened. And believe it or not, this wasn't the only time something like that happened. Now, I didn't tell you this story so that you could pity me or tell me everything's going to be okay. I'm not sharing this out of sadness. I'm sharing it out of anger. Anger that even in New York City, a liberal, prideful place, this discrimination exists. Not only does it exist, but if people can say these awful and humiliating things to me, an elementary school kid, imagine what they would say to an adult. So that was it. So in the last few paragraphs of that speech, I go more into what the actual class assignment was. I had to persuade people to support the Equality Act, but I will spare you those arguments as I don't think they are very necessary to this. So yeah, that's my story. Again, I, I know I talked to Sarah about this, but I never want to come off like I want people's pity because I'm okay, and I was okay then. I am beyond grateful for all the privilege that I have. I am white and live in one of the most liberal places in the world with the most supportive, amazing parents, friends, and extended family. I was never pressured to fit into a box as a kid. My parents let me be completely myself, no questions asked. So because of this, and because of people always assuming I was gay or trans, well, I knew I wasn't trans, but before I had feelings for anybody, because I was so young, I sort of accepted the idea that I was gay. Also, somewhat of a tangent here, people always called me a tomboy, and I just don't like that word, and I think that in itself has hindered my ability to understand myself so much because it's a subjective term. If you're going to describe someone Use objective, factual things, like AJ is a teen from New York City with curly hair and glasses. You don't get to use a word or sentence to describe how I act or feel. Only I can do that. I say this because I never actually felt like a tomboy, but people always called me that. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Because of my community, I didn't feel any dissonance thinking that I was gay. I was like, well, I have short hair, I play sports, a lot of my friends are boys, 
so many people have told me I'm gay or that that's how or how I was is how gay people are. So cool. Okay, I'm gay. I accepted that reality. But then I got older into my teens and started to be attracted to men. That's when you start that's when I started to feel this dissonance of well, no, you must be feeling something different because you're gay. You can't be straight. This led to more confusion as if I started to act like if I started to like a girl just as a friend or person, I'd think, well, do I like her as a person or friend or do I like her like that? I had and still very much have all these subconscious thoughts that I think influence my feelings. I'm sharing this hopefully to explain to you and to myself, okay, this is the impact of stereotyping. Even though I grew up and thankfully was always allowed to be whoever I am, I still had these beliefs people instilled in me of who I was supposed to be and that quote supposed to be wasn't straight, it was gay which I think proves the harms of stereotypes even if you're in a supportive environment. So if you couldn't tell from that excerpt from my 10th grade speech, I definitely feel a little angry about people's ignorance, and I think that has also played a role in trying to figure out my sexuality. I know I told Sarah this, but I have and still feel this pressure to be straight, but not for the reasons most people feel. Again, I have such a supportive community that being straight isn't the quote-unquote right or better thing. But so many people have told me who I was and assumed they knew who I was just based on my looks that I kind of feel this wanting to be like, hey, look at me now. I look like a girl and I'm straight. You're wrong. Which I definitely feel a little guilt about because I don't have any reason to not be my most authentic self, you know? I've always said I have such a good problem to have, that problem being, you know, trying to figure out your sexuality when you don't need to, or when whatever you do figure out, it doesn't really matter. I definitely have some guilt for my privilege, and that's not a, quote, oh, feel bad for me because I'm guilty kind of thing, but more that these concepts and issues are so deep and complex and affect literally everybody, which is one reason why I love this podcast so much, because it's a podcast about queerness, and even Sarah, who isn't queer, can speak just about just as much about her experience with queerness as Persis, even though she's straight. I don't really know what my point is or if I truly understand why I feel this pressure, but I think I'm just trying to show that even in a seemingly perfect world of it being totally fine to be queer, all these beliefs and stereotypes and seemingly harmless conversation have impacted my ability to understand myself, and I know it has with so many other people as well. Okay. So now that you know so much about me, I think it's my time to sign off. Persis, Sarah, thank you so much for letting me ramble on about my life. This has been very therapeutic. Um, I feel like I should Venmo you guys a copay for this session, but I guess maybe drinks on me if I ever find myself in Toronto. I'm not old enough to buy drinks, but by the time COVID is over, I probably will be. So on that note, thanks. You guys rock. AJ. Thank you so much for opening up to us. You speak so beautifully. And in the beginning, you were saying how you didn't have like the right radio voice or anything like that. Girl? (laughs) I know. I was like, is this professional audio equipment? (laughs) And also the way you just spoke was like so eloquent. And you could like, I would listen to you before I go to bed. Like in a good way, in a way to like soothe me, not like because I'm sleepy, but in a way to like soothe me before I'm going to oh, sleep. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel like we might have said this last time, but everyone thinks that they like sound weird or something. And I'm like, you sound 
unbelievable. Better than we could ever sound. Yeah, like we can only wish to sound exactly like all y'all. And AJ, like, where do you even start? with AJ's story. There were some points in her story where I literally like audibly went, oh my God, or what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And especially with the point she brings up about living in NYC, it's so many things that I wouldn't have expected um, being in such a city that's so liberal and so pride positive, like such a gay city New York is. And I just feel that there's still so much judgment no matter where you go. It just is based on like the individuals and some of the individuals she had to deal with. But the interesting thing about her story is that she wasn't getting judged for being gay. And I, I think that's why this is such an interesting perspective. She was she was being um, judged for how she looked, but she wasn't being judged for being gay. If anything, her whole world around her was very liberal, very open. Her parents let her be whoever she wanted to be. And in fact, when people tried to put her into this box of either being gay, a gay girl, a trans boy, she she basically just accepted it because she was so young. She was like eight years old and she knew it was totally okay to be whatever you wanted to be. So people told her she was either gay or trans. So she was like, okay, I guess. Well, she said she knew she wasn't trans, but she was like, I guess I'm gay. And I find that perspective so interesting because like you brought up, she was so young and you're you're also still not sure, right? Like then when she she gets into the audio note, which obviously you guys would have heard, but when she's saying she really started to develop like attraction for males. But prior to that, she was like, well, the way I'm perceived, a lot of people thought I looked like a boy. And that's just how, that's what she believed. It's just interesting how like, how much people's um perception of you, when you're, especially when you're so young, because when we're kids, we soak up everything so quickly. And that's why yeah. Sarah and I are so big on like, you know, educating kids when they're young because everyone mm -hmm. is born good you know that's what I really believe and to not have these like um prejudice I think that just comes with like life unfortunately but for her to feel that but then for all those years to think like wait okay so maybe that's not who I am this is who I thought I was this entire time before I was entering like my teens and you know yeah. getting into attraction it's, it totally stunted her growth in terms of her understanding of herself identifying her sexuality and just being free to explore it. She had to go through an extra layer of like questioning just because everyone had put her into this box. So like she said, she would be become start becoming friends with a girl and then start being like, but wait, do I like her like her? Because everyone told me I'm gay. And then so this whole extra layer had to be added for her because of all these external pressures. But I think the main thing that we really want to talk about in this episode that was inspired by AJ's story is the way we look and how the way we look for some reason tells the world something about who we love or how we identify. And listen, this girl cut her hair. That was it. And so AJ actually sent us a picture of what she looked like at this time. And so I wonder if maybe we could share that. I'll ask her if, if she's okay with that. Because um, I think it'd be interesting for everyone to, to see what we're talking about. But she has short hair. And she wore clothes that might be a little bit more stereotypically what a boy might wear. Maybe. From the picture. That's what it looked like. And she even acknowledges in the audio note. She's like, listen, I did actually look like a boy. I, look, I looked like the other boys at, at school, maybe. And... When she said her do doctor didn't recognize her. Yeah. I was like, what? And then 
the story that she told about being at the pool mm-hmm. when she said that she was a girl and the woman said, prove it. I think that's... Pull your pants down? I just think, you know what? What, what I thought was one that is absolutely... AJ, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Because Me there's too. So many... I'm so sorry. So sorry because it's like that just boils down to just pure manners. You know what? Think whatever you want to think, right? This woman can maybe think, oh, okay. Maybe just it's shitty that she even thinks that way. But how could you ever call someone out and tell them to prove what their gender is? And you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, that's disgusting. And you're like unsure of what's going on with all your genitalia. You're like, stuff's happening. And like, I don't know. Just all these, all these experiences she had, and then everything she said about like going into the bathroom and going into the girls' bathroom, and then people would like shove her out or tell her she's not allowed in there. So that abuse she was experiencing, literally because she has short hair. But we, you know what? Um, this is coming back to your point about when we talked about this in the Demi episode. Hair is, and we talked about this. Um, Good call, yeah. In uh, what episode was it? We were talking about. Oh gosh, I'm blanking. You know what? That's not important. My point is, is that. Hair is such a big identifier where you you and I were even talking about it, right? Like even a woman could have a buzz cut and maybe be very femme presenting though, you know, wear um, feminine clothing, mm-hmm. um, wear, you know, her makeup, things that I was telling you that I think identify a lot of women as femme, but then you came back at me and we were kind of like, but what if she had short hair? And then later I was like, true, hair is a huge identifier. Longer hair, like at least like maybe up to like, collarbone-y a little longer you'll automatically be more considered a little bit more femme totally yeah in like it's just so clear in the picture that she that aj sent us like she literally just is a girl with short hair it's it's so shocking and yeah i just think it's also interesting that she was put into a queer box and given a queer label whereas so many queer people and straight people experience being put into a straight box or given a straight label and then mm-hmm. if they if they realize they're queer they have to try and break out of that and AJ had the opposite experience she was put into a queer box and then she realized she was straight and that she identified as a female and that she wasn't trans and now she feels almost pressured to be straight so that she can kind of be like screw you guys you all tried to put me into a box and I don't fit into that box I'm actually straight and I'm a girl yeah yep <laughs> It's just so interesting. It's very interesting to me. But thank you for sharing that. Thank you, AJ, for being awesome, for sharing your story, for being so well-spoken. It inspired us to talk about basically like what the stereotypes are for what gay people look like. Gay girls, gay guys, and um, kind of why they exist and also why they can be really damaging like they were for AJ. So starting off with gay girls, Purse, what do gay girls look like? So I'm going to... I'm laughing because I don't believe in this. No. As a gay girl. And also just living my life and meeting other queer people and other people in the community. But of course, guys, let's get into classic stereotypes. And I just want to reiterate, and I hope maybe if you guys have been listening to the pod, you know me well enough as a person by this point, getting into episode 12, and you know I don't believe in these, okay? Should we reiterate it one more time? Or do you think that they get it? I don't believe in these stereotypes, ma'am. Oh, ma'am. Ma'am. She means business. <laughs> a stereotypical gay girl would be wearing more masculine clothing, has shorter hair, maybe wears bucket hats, wears snapbacks, lots of tattoos. I think the best way to describe all of that is, is a more masculine presenting 
woman. Right. That's the stereotype for a gay mm-hmm. girl. And you know what? I I grew up uh, believing that a little bit, and that's why it's true. It was such a struggle for me to come to terms with my sexuality because for some reason, even though I knew how I felt deep down, really, really deep down in the root of um, just my attraction for women, I just kept thinking, well, I don't know if I could only really like women. I just don't know if that makes sense. I don't really look like anyone in the media. We've gone into this before with queer representation in the media, but it was just such a foreign concept to me that it took me years to really figure out because I was brought up to believe well, you don't really look like Ellen DeGeneres. I was just thinking about Ellen. That's so weird. And and it's not like Ellen dresses in like men's clothes or anything, but you know, she she doesn't wear dresses and she doesn't have long flowing hair, which are so which is that's, you know, only the way girls dress, so I know. Oh my gosh. And especially like women loving men. like if you're feminine, I already think you're straight. You must be straight. Yeah, so you've experienced many times like people people just never assume you're gay mm-hmm. um, because you do look feminine and you're a femme-presenting person. Has there ever been a time where someone has has assumed you were gay? Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's a really funny story. Uh, tell but me. She, she's a really, really close friend of mine, Cheryl Pullamoodle. Oh, okay, yeah. Love you, um, Cheryl. So Cheryl just always had an inkling. Throughout my whole entire life, like I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, yeah, a lot of people are like, we would have thought you were straight. I've heard it from women. Didn't think you'd be into into women. But my friend Cheryl, shout out Cheryl from Scarborough, has always – oh, God, I almost want to tell this story because it's hilarious. And I was laughing so hard at some old messages that Cheryl and I were exchanging. So quick, quick backstory because I won't go into it for too long for the audience is that I met Cheryl when I was 13. And Cheryl is one of my most outspoken friends. She's very loud. Think of Raven Baxter from That's So Raven. Shout out Raven again. Nice, we love nice. you so much. <laughs> yeah, we've shouted you out like five times and we'll never stop. So very much like says whatever's on her mind. So Cheryl grew up with me. We were like a long distance friendship, but we always kept in communication. So throughout those times, 13 until, you know, obviously 25 are very pivotal moments. A lot changes. And Cheryl knew, she knew I was gay the moment she was with me when I had my sexual awakening to the Demi Lovato music video. And Cheryl knew, she was like, something's up with, like, Persis is reacting very differently than I am. Amazing. Well, because Cheryl was like, Demi's hot. But Cheryl was talking about her more in like a sexual way. But Cheryl identifies as straight. But she was like, Demi can like ruin my life, take me to town, do whatever. But I was getting like feelings for Demi. I was more like, Mm. I want to like go on a date with Demi and be really cute with Demi. Cheryl's Mm -hmm. like, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's like, this girl gay. So anyway, fast forward, I come out as bi which I, like I said, I really, really believed in at the time. It was also like, that was me finally accepting. This is my label. I'm also into women. Cheryl was like, mm, honey, okay. <laughs> Cheryl. Then oh my God. in 2019, I messaged Cheryl about a girl I was seeing at the time. Cheryl messaged me back. So are you full lesbo yet? So you've never had someone just like, I'm just talking about your looks. Like you've never had someone like meet you and like just kind of be like, are you gay? Or like even like another another gay girl maybe who might be interested like just no uh, assuming yeah because because 
you don't look gay. I'm putting that in air quotes. I wish everyone could see when we do air quotes. It's funny because you'll know maybe within a few, after you meet me and you talk to me, I'm very obvious about my attraction for women. And then the way I freaking yeah. act, you'll know she's into the women. <laughs> Especially if she's into you, you'll know. Like we've talked about before, stereotypes really intrigue me. I just, I wonder, I wonder where they come from and why they exist and like who started them. Like they're just so interesting to me. And what we were saying about what a stereotypical gay girl wears and looks like, that made us think of this one YouTube video that Persis and I posted. I forget. I think we were talking about Fletcher maybe. I'll give it a shout out. It is oh. reacting to Fletcher music videos part two. Search it on YouTube, please, for Persis's uh, views to go up. And there was a comment on the video that was basically saying, I think Sarah's definitely gay, or at least bi, because I was wearing a turtleneck, a nose ring, and a few other things. I had like an elastic around my wrist and stuff. But And we laughed, and we actually like shouted it out in a future in a future episode because we, th- we thought it was funny. But I mean, I just thought about that. It's such, a, it's such a small thing. But even then, like, because I was wearing a turtleneck and a nose ring, it was being like debated in the comments whether I was gay or not. Um, yeah. um, and like thinking, even though I said, even though I said I identify as straight, and even in the title of the video, you say, you identify me as my straight friend, it was still being questioned if maybe I was gay because I was wearing a turtleneck. Mm-hmm. And like we said, like all fun, we laughed at that comment. I screenshotted that. I sent it to Sarah being like, <laughs> yeah, this is hilarious. But it's true that we place people in these boxes based on what, how they look without even realizing that, like, obviously Sarah's fine. She wasn't mad about the comment, but right. she was like, she was like, interesting. Okay. But I would wear that any, anyway, any, anytime I wear things that maybe a straight girl would wear. Right, Sarah? Like I'm not necessarily wearing masculine clothes. My hair is long. Yeah. I don't really wear bucket hats or snapbacks. Yeah. So that's why if you'd see me, you'd be like, well, Persis looks straight because she's wearing these clothes. And I think the stereotypes change too, right? Like this whole turtleneck thing, was that a stereotype? I don't know, two, two decades ago? Maybe not, but maybe now it is for gay girls. And I think that stereotypes can, can, as much as they can be hurtful, they can also sometimes be a way, it seems like, for queer people to connect. Like, sometimes you'll, sometimes you'll hear queer people being like, like laughing at their, how they exhibit stereotypes and connecting with each other on that, being like, oh yeah, we're both, for example, oh yeah, of course we both wear our snapbacks or whatever, is just right. a very small example that I just made up in my head. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that stereotypes can sometimes be like a connector for queer people um, to to feel powerful in the way they're identifying. But I think that's a separate thing, especially from like kids and going back to AJ's story, for, for, for kids to be subject to these stereotypes and these gender roles can be extremely harmful. Yep. I, I actually think it's really harmful. Like this, this is probably getting very deep, but I, it, it does really affect your life path sometimes, you know? If you really, really allow some of these things to really eat at you and you believe it and you believe these stereotypes when really it's not you, that's really that's not being authentic to you. And I'm I'm thinking of AJ's story, right? If if she was like, yes, she identifies as female, she knows that, right? But if all these people are like coming at you and telling you 
well, you clearly look like a boy. You must be trans. Or even like, you must be a boy. Like, not even trans. Like, you must be a boy. And she's like, well, I'm not. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yep. And then to go into it, like, just assuming her sexual orientation for her, like, this goes back to even like people who identify as, like, let's just say, even at the time, when I was coming out as bi, and yes, now I identify as like literally very queer and very gay. <laughs> like literally. Literally. But still, it is harmful even for people to like, because I'm going through the process, to assume what your sexual orientation is. And I think for me, like I said, it worked out in the better because I feel like I knew these people were coming from me, coming at it from like a good perspective. The ones who told me like, maybe purse, I think you're more into women. Like I said, that was like for my own journey. But I think when people are coming at it and you're like, I really don't identify as this. Like, why are you saying this to me? It's very, very harmful. 100%. Is there anything else that you want to say about what the stereotypes of what gay girls look like as a gay girl? I'm very grateful that I feel like now we're at a time when like so much has evolved that I feel like there's not just one stereotype anymore. I think like- yeah. Now- now we have like people recognize the femme gay girls people recognize the stems the androgynous what's a stem the studs so a stem is someone who's kind of a mix of a stud and a femme and then what's a stud a stud is a little bit more androgynous oh, okay mm-hmm. so a stud is androgynous a mm-hmm. femme is feminine presenting and a stem is in between mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got so- it okay stems sometimes i identify a bit more like a maybe someone can be like purses no you're not but sometimes i I feel like i would say you're in between yeah 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 because i I think we were talking and i yes i i'm very feminine presenting but sometimes like the clothes i wear aren't always the most feminine clothing like i said i love wearing like my bike shorts and a massive t-shirt and converse like for sure and then once again like what is it about you that is so feminine presenting is it the fact that you have long hair and that you wear makeup yeah, I think so. And and so then, like, if we're talking about that compared to your clothes, I think your clothes are, are much more on the androgynous side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, guys, I rarely really wear, like, feminine clothing. No, like, you you literally can't remember the last time you wore a dress or, or even a skirt. I know. No, it's true. It's true. Like, maybe some of my outfits, like, if I'm putting together a cute outfit, like, maybe it is a little bit more feminine, but you're right. I'm not really wearing the classic, like, femme lesbian clothing. I mean, put me in some sneaks and I'm a happy gal. I'm always happy in sneaks, always. Okay, Pers, what are the stereotypes of what a gay guy looks like? Okay, so a stereotypical gay man would look like super clean cut, always, and the facial hair is very trimmed, tighter fitting clothes, and they wear, I don't know, something very bright. But the tight-fitting clothes, I think, is a big one. Yeah, I feel like that's typically the one where someone might assume a man is gay because he's wearing tighter pants or a tighter top or something. Scarves? Oh, my God, scarves. Is it the old? Maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, like, certain hats, maybe? so stupid yeah i think i think it's mainly just like the tighter clothes and the the clean cut look listen this is not surprising at all that gay women stereotypes usually come down to how they look and how they dress are they wearing makeup are they not is their hair long is it not what 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 type of clothes are they wearing are they tight fitting are they not and for a man i think the stereotypes typically come down to how they act 
So yes, if they're wearing tighter fitting clothes, maybe, maybe you might assume that they're gay. But more so, it's how they're talking. Are they talking in a more, I don't know, feminine type of way? Are they interested in more feminine types of things? Like what type of music do they like? Is it more feminine type of music? And so I think, are we surprised that the female stereotypes all come down to the way they look and the male stereotypes are much more about how they act? I don't think we're that surprised. Uh-uh. <laughs> Honey, no. Just a, um, just a... Just a observation. Just an observation I had. What do you guys think? Man, that's a really good point, Sarah. I really never he- thought of it like that. And even if you think about Kyle, for example, who we interviewed for episode 10, I think. And we actually talked about this in his episode. I was saying like, Kyle, if I saw you across the street, I wouldn't automatically go, that's a gay guy over there. Sure, he wears, he, he was joking about his shorty shorts. He wears like tighter, tighter fitting jean shorts in the summer. And, and he is clean cut. He always, looks, he always looks great. He always looks put together. He always smells great those types of things. Mm-hmm. But what we were joking about was when you really know he's gay is when you start talking to him and he starts talking about Britney or he just just the way he talks or what he's talking about. So I think that for gay men, it's a lot less about how you look. Yeah. Yep. It really is. At the same time, I have in my life, and I'm not going to name any names, heard straight men say that they don't want their young boys to wear certain things like bright colored clothing for example not not even going into like my boy can't wear a dress or can't play with dolls like literally i once heard a straight man say that he didn't want his four-year-old son to wear a bright red shirt what because he thought it was too girly (gasps) or might make people think whatever Oh my God. I wonder if maybe those stereotypes come into play more when boys are younger. Like make sure you're wearing boys clothes, boys clothes, boys clothes. Mm-hmm. And then when they're older, I don't know. doesn't matter mm. as much. I don't know. That makes me really sad. Yeah, it made me very sad when it happened. I just think it's like, once again, we're, we're putting our children, like we have all these expectations for our children. We do. And I love that for AJ... I really love that her direct environment, the people who really loved her, they didn't they didn't have those expectations. I think that was probably imagine if they did, right? Like imagine if they did have expectations how much more damaging it would have been for her. But luckily, she was in a very supportive environment where she could do whatever, she could be whatever she wanted, wear whatever she wanted and and she was supported for that, but still the external world tried to put her in a box. Yeah, cuz that's just what the world does. We are always trying to put people into boxes and it's like um, subconscious. Totally subconscious. I think that's an important thing to know, Percy Buns. It Percy is. Bunsy, Bunsy Bears. Bunsy Bunzo Bear. Bunzo Buns. I think like we talked about this inherent uh, homophobia on our last episode with Ellie's, uh, Ellie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with Ellie's story, how her parents might have an inherent fo- homophobia that that truly isn't their fault. It's society. It's ingrained. Sometimes we don't realize we're doing it. So a lot of these like stereotypes, when we're talking about the surface level, what you're wearing, how your hair is, how you look, a lot of those things can can be just ingrained in us from when we're born. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it is. And you know what? Sure, I've been guilty of it. I definitely can say, though, I've never done anything with like um, any hate 
in my heart or any judgment. It's just like sometimes those things just were, were brought up to believe that. And that's why Sarah and I always try to talk about why the process of unlearning is really, really important. And I encourage you all to do it. Yeah. And I think it's great that AJ read out that, that she um, wrote that speech for her class. Because in like grade 10, also just wanted to mention, good on you, AJ, for knowing the whole can like Canadians say grade 10 and people from the States say 10th grade. 10th grade. I loved that too, because it's actually so true. I felt very seen in that moment. <laughs> me too, me too. Canada. Anyway, we've kind of been talking about this the whole time, but Purse, why are these stereotypes so damaging? I find that they're damaging because like the way... I perceive it is that it can like really affect you as a person and your confidence without even really realizing it. And it can affect people for years. Yeah. And like we were saying with how AJ had to be like, (laughs) just with girls that she was friends with, she had to be like, but wait, do I like them? Because everyone told me I was gay for my whole life. When really she could have just, she could have just have been present and explored and maybe it wouldn't have even been a question for her, you know? Maybe she would have just, like, known she liked boys right off the bat and she wouldn't have had to struggle. She wouldn't have had to second-guess herself. And I think, like, I really like your point about confidence. I think when when you are told you have to dress a certain way or look a certain way to match your sexual identity, you can't be your true self anymore. You can't show up in the world exactly how you want to show up. You can't like function fully. We've talked about this a little bit when we were talking about trans um, people. Like n- when you have to go out into the world, even if you're not dressed the way that you feel comfortable in dressing, you you can't func- You're not high functioning anymore. You you can't fire at all cylinders. You can't be truly you. You can't feel good. That happens to me all the time when I'm like wearing an outfit I'm kind of uncomfortable in. And I'm out and I'm out somewhere and I, I just feel ugh, maybe it's too tight or whatever. You know, maybe I just I just don't feel good in it. I can't be confident. I can't be no. myself. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like and then I feel just like, oh, I just want to go home. I just want to, you know, change or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that can be really damaging. And then another thing that I was thinking about is I feel like stereotypes can often be used as a way for straight people to actually harass the queer community a lot of times when you hear homophobic people talking they'll they'll like mention stereotypes about how someone looks Mm -hmm. um, or how they dress and Mm -hmm. I think as much as it can be a connector within the queer community it can also be a way for for straight people to be homophobic and to harass and hurt the queer people yep yep because they are they're already passing judgments and like they're passing judgments with hate and also like things that are just out of like what they see as normal and the way they react to it is to just be like, let's make fun of it. Or yeah, like you said, in very extreme circumstances, harass. And I just think, you know, back to this point, that is another like huge reason why stereotypes can be very, very damaging and very scary. Yeah, totally. Have you ever felt like pressure to dress or look a certain way because you're gay yeah I actually have tell me more I don't even know if I've really told you this but I think I dress the way I want to so don't get me wrong um I really do feel very comfortable in the way I dress now but you know years ago I I definitely think I did dress a little bit more feminine than I do now and I think as I've 
come into my sexuality a little bit more, I have actually been dressing a little bit more androgynous. Like, don't you think? And I mean, everyone's style changes. Yeah, totally. And the funny thing is, I actually would say that I dress more androgynous now because I think that's actually just the style. Like, it's it's to to be fair to you, it's cool to like dress androgynous now. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. I'm not I'm not saying that. I think that you probably have been making a bit of a more conscious decision, um, or or maybe a subconscious decision to dress a different way. But yeah, to to be fair. I have bills have been dressing more androgynous. No, you're right. No, you're right. Like, I think that actually is, that actually is maybe just more of like the trendy style right now. And I am someone who kind of just like, I do, I'm not really that person. Actually, my sister and I differ in this a lot. Like her style is very different. Like some of the stuff I wear, she was like, I would never wear that. Like, that's just so, like she laughed. She made fun of me so hard one time when I wore bike shorts to the office with like a big T. Oh my God. But also, Why? If you guys, what did she say? If you guys know my office, like it's so chill, easygoing. It's not like I was like showing off my booty. It's like I literally wore like a big shirt with it. Yeah. Um, and Marsh was just like, oh my God, you're wearing bike shorts to the office? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's so Marsh though. That's such a Marsh thing to say. But um, I have felt that pressure back to your point a little bit. Like I think, especially when I, a lot of people were questioning me being gay. And like I said, the biggest thing was like a girl who I was seeing who totally like didn't really believe me, which is funny because like she knew how into her I was. And obviously the, the, we were both sleeping together consistently. She knew I was like into women in that sense, but because of the way I appeared, it was like, um, yeah, no, I think you're going to be with a man. And I felt that weird pressure to be like, okay, then am I supposed to dress gay? Like, totally. What does that even mean? Has that trickled into like how you do your makeup or your hair? Like, have you ever, does that, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever felt more pressure to maybe not do your hair as nice or not put on so much makeup? No, that's the funny thing, Sarah. My biggest thing is like, I love to do my makeup and to do my hair. And I have a certain look that I love to do with my makeup because I really love femininity. I'm really attracted to femininity. That's like I, I'm very open. I'm, I'm a very open person. It's not like I'm going to say, I'm only going to date femme women. Absolutely not. Like if I connect with someone and I'm attra- like the attraction will be there naturally. Yeah. I, I'll explore that. It doesn't mean they need to be a feminine woman, but for me, I love, I love doing my makeup. I love doing my eye makeup. I love like, a, I love big eyes. I love, mm-hmm. I love that. Like, um, yeah, I just like dressing it up and my hair. I love my hair. So I'm happy to do my makeup, like, not like I'm going to go, like, freaking glam, glam, but I love to do my makeup, but maybe I'll I'll dress it down with, like, something casual. So I've never been tempted to, like, change my makeup or my hair, ever. Yeah, I like that. And I think, like, just back to what we were saying about how you've, you've changed your style a bit. Yeah, sure, the trends have changed, but there was a shift. Even before you came out as gay, I think there was definitely, like, a very slow – and living with you, I obviously saw your style change – but when we first moved in together and you identified as bi, you'd wear dresses, skirts, maybe like nicer top, like nicer blouses, maybe like tighter fitting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's just like not your style anymore. Mm-mm. No. And like sometimes like I laugh at like maybe I'm like, oh, maybe I should wear some tighter fitting stuff. But that's no pressure from anybody. That's just me kind of being like, you know, why not show off like. Show off your juicy behind. <laughs> guys one time Pers- Persis always has had like kind of a tiny little butt and one time she just worked really hard have I told this story yet <laughs> I don't think so 
<laughs> she just worked really hard on her butt and like worked it out every day. Did like squats and all sorts of like glute- gluteus maximus exercises. And then um, like a month later, she was wearing these tight pants and I was like, purses. She actually had like a juicy little booty. <laughs> and I was so proud of her. It was like progress in real time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm always working on the butt. I love I love a good butt, so. I will say from my straight perspective, just to kind of wrap this up, I have previously felt maybe if I'm out and about wearing something that's a bit more androgynous, that I might be perceived as potentially gay. Oh. Not, not in a bad way at mm-hmm. all, obviously. But there have been times where I've been out wearing something that maybe is a bit less feminine and i and i've had the thought of oh i wonder if i might be perceived as not straight Mm -hmm. so i've experienced that feeling i've experienced that personal wondering what my stereotype might be seen as to someone else and it actually happened one time when i was actually being hit on by a girl there was a girl who was like very in a funny way like very blatantly hitting on me she was saying she liked redheads and it was it was funny like there was a bunch of us at a table everyone was laughing because everyone knew i was straight but i remember i was wearing something that was a bit more like just like yeah looser fit i can't remember what it was but it was looser fitting maybe like a bit more like androgynous chill and i remember thinking like she might have when i arrived to the table thought that i was potentially gay that's so interesting to me people can do that and maybe shoot their shot like let's just say she was straight up like 100 i loved it i was like this is amazing like i wish i was gay she was cute yeah yeah and i think there's a difference when someone's like stereo putting you into a box or um don't be jealous purses don't be jealous i know did you guys notice i my heart started racing and i was like trying to i was talking very fast because yeah i noticed it so i just i I thought the listeners should just be aware (laughs) but i think like there's a difference between someone you know maybe putting you into this box let's just say she's like hitting on sarah she likes redheads whatever um (laughs) (laughs) no big deal but i i think like if if you're go if you go oh my god girl haha thank you like compliment hell yeah but also i'm i'm straight and i also um am in a relationship with my um roommate ex-roommate girlfriend Mm -hmm. I'm straight and I'm also in a relationship with my girlfriend. So. <laughs> complicated, complicated. Mixed signals, baby. I think that's fine. I think it, it depends on like the way people react. Oh yeah, it's totally fine. And and I'm not saying that she was assuming I was gay because of what I was wearing, but all I'm saying is that I have experienced the feeling of wondering how people might perceive my sexual identity from what I'm wearing. Right. And it's never bothered me or anything. It's just something that's come to mind. I guess what I'm saying is like stereotypes can be experienced by everyone whether you are queer or straight and aj is a perfect example of that she she was literally pigeonholed into a box for Mm -hmm. her entire childhood and yelled at and told to pull her pants down to prove she was a girl so traumatic i think that there's always like a silver lining and that she was able to use that crazy experience growing up and clearly like learn a lot about herself from it and she's going to continue to learn she's she's in her teens agreed also she mentioned that she wouldn't be old enough to buy drinks in um if she visited us in toronto and i'm not sure how old you are aj but i just wanted to let you know in case you didn't the drinking age here is 19 so if you're 19 you could buy us as many drinks as you wanted oh my god yeah well i was just assuming she she would be under 19 but maybe she doesn't realize the drinking age here is 19 
Just in case. In case you thought it was 21. No, girl. No, girl, come on over. If you're underage, no, no, no. But if you are... If you are of age... Listen, we're not condoning underage kids. No, never. All of these, all of our friends who have sent us mailbags, Catherine, Ellie, AJ, like you're all invited. Come on over, come on over, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Purse, is there anything else that we want to say about stereotypes? I feel like this was a pretty like quick topic, but it was more so to kind of tell AJ's story and just illustrate how all types of boxes can be damaging whether you're putting someone in a queer box a straight box or anything in between whether you're putting someone in a trans box or telling someone that they that they are a girl when they actually identify as a boy whatever it is it can all be damaging and we just need to get rid of the boxes get rid of the glasses get rid of the glass system yeah back to um oh episode three two no 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 three Labels, labels. Like, oh my God, it feels like years ago. If you guys haven't heard episode three, it's one of our favorites and we talk about labels and we've pretty much brought up the labels conversation in like every episode since. So it is a quintessential girl on girl episode. It's very important, ladies and gents and everyone in between. And that's right. And you should probably go listen to it right meow. Meow, please, meow. please. Meow. <laughs> Did you ever think... That one day we'd be sitting here meowing into microphones. Nope. And then publishing that audio for the world to listen to. But nothing, nothing comes, nothing, uh, what's the expression? <laughs> nothing, nothing comes goes, easy? No, no, nothing goes, nothing, not that, not that, bro. Oh, <laughs> damn. Um, what, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Nothing, nothing, nothing goes past me with us is what I'm saying. Nothing comes, nothing goes past me. Does that make sense? I don't think it makes sense. Nothing gets past me? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Nothing. Just just how, like, we can say the weirdest things and it doesn't phase me. Oh, okay. Nothing phases you? <laughs> Man, I feel kind of weird today. I think we're both on, like, a weird, on a weird level. We are. Both of us, for sure. Yeah. I was just itching my nose, but it looked like I was licking my hand. Like a little kitty cat. Kitty cat. Okay, thank you, AJ, for sharing your story. Uh, guys, I feel like this is this is a pretty complex topic. We're talking about gender roles here. We're talking about um, like what a boy should be and what a girl should be, and that's complex. And we're we've 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 d- dived, doved, divin, diving. We've dived into that before, and we we will continue to dive into it because um, I don't know if we'll ever really be able to figure out what the is going on there but I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you AJ for sharing your story you're super cool I'm just really excited for everyone to hear it and kind of hopefully feel seen yes yes agreed that's all we want so thank you again and we hope you guys enjoyed this hasta la vista baby baby all right Sarah Sarah are we ready for in case you missed it I've never been so ready. All right, everyone. So if you happen to be new to Girl on Girl and you're stumbling across this episode and you're like, who the hell are Saren versus? Well, like, this is us. Yeah. And you didn't know? You didn't know who we were? I'm very shocked. Very shooketh. I'm shooketh. And uh, you should probably listen to every episode we've ever released. Right meow. Right meow. Right meow. Meow meow. 
<laughs> They're gonna think we're cat obsessed. I'm cat obsessed. Um, I don't know if you guys know that I have a cat, and so I'll post some more pictures of the cat if you guys want, but only if you want. So let us know. What's funny is actually I'm not a cat person. I'm very much a dog person, which is does not fit if we're going stereotypes into the lesbian stereotype. Hey, yeah, we weren't talking about like, um, we were only talking about looks stereotypes, but we could have a whole other episode about these other stereotypes as well. Amen. So what we're going to get into is, in case you missed it, is a segment where Sarah and I like to talk about, usually it's a pop culture moment, but this moment um, is very exciting to me. Sarah it's shared a bit it more me. educational. It's more educational. We're getting very studious. Uh. We are. We're basically professors. Yes. Um, okay, guys, this is really exciting news, especially for Toronto. Um, so the Toronto Catholic School Board announced it is going to raise... At all of the Catholic schools across Toronto and area, they're going to raise the pride flag for the first time in history for June, Pride Month. So this this is a huge, huge moment for the LGBTQIA plus community, especially because this is the Catholic school board. This is not the public school board or, you know, this is not just like the regular school board. This is the Catholic school board. Our former premier. So anyone who's not from Canada, we have provinces, not states and ter- and territories. And in every province, there is a premier who is basically in charge of the province. So that would be like the senator, right? In, in the states. I LOL. think that would be the senator. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, don't cool. quote me because like LOL politics. But yes, we're going to go uh, with that. Yeah, I think we're right about that. So anyway, Senator, but not Premier, um, Kathleen Wynne. She was our former Premier. We have a different one now. We don't love. You know what? Can I just We're say gonna... Okay, go funny. on. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we getting into politics? And are we going to get in trouble? I really hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I've been very disappointed with the way uh, the government has been handling the coronavirus pandemic. I just have to say that. And I saw a funny meme that was saying, like, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time. I'm gonna bleep this out. It's been a long time since I've been. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, our current leader has been <laughs> me hard all, all year long. Yeah, his name's Doug Ford. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna sugarcoat it. This guy is named Doug oh, Ford. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, fair, fair, yeah. fair. And, well, because anyone who's listening to this who's from Ontario will be like, you're talking about Doug Ford. Anyway, he's not handling things great. But we had a former premier named Kathleen Wynne. Honestly, I don't know if she was good either. I wasn't paying enough attention to Canadian politics at that time. But she is an out gay woman. And she's also part of the Christian community. And she actually spoke to the uh, Catholic school board before they made their decision about this and kind of was talking about the importance of having that visibility and having the pride flag raised at all Catholic schools across Toronto. And this is what she said to the school board. Your position as the largest Catholic school board in the province is one that I think comes with the responsibility to play a leadership role, especially when it comes to those issues that continue to divide the Catholic community. So I think this is a this is a huge win, not just for the queer community, but for the for the Catholic community and kind of bridging that divide that often happens in religion, unfortunately. But um, here is a out queer woman who's also a catholic christian saying let's let's do this and basically the school board was like hell yeah agreed and so they voted to have the pride flag up and flying i don't know if it's for the whole month 
I hope it is. I hope it is too. For all of June, let's really hope so. <laughs> it does fly it all year long if it yeah. went to us. But yeah, so anyway, that is really great news. We were so happy to hear that. All I can think about is the little kids at that school who maybe are thinking, well, I, might be, I might be a little bit gay. And they see that flag flying and they're like, I am seen. I am safe. I am okay. Um, even if it's just for that moment of like, walking into the school on a Monday and seeing the flag up. Um, mm. I think it's really, it's more than just a flag. Like, I think it's a very important moment for visibility. I agree. I can only imagine, like, being that kid going to that school and probably just feeling so much better about all my internal thoughts. Well, and you went to a Catholic school, right? Yep, in Whitby. Yeah, so you had to go to religion class and mass mm-hmm. or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So imagine you, like, you know – walking into the school and seeing the pride flag up and you're like oh yeah it's okay to be gay oh it's not only okay it's like celebrated we got a flag flying over here oh yeah yep and that's that's definitely what i would have needed back then absolutely so this is just like such a like excellent move forward and this is why i feel like i love that like this generation can experience that you know this upcoming generation of kids and there's just so much more acceptance like way more than we ever had and like we've talked about literally just in this past episode, it can be very damaging when people can't accept that part of themselves or if people are telling them to be something they're not, anything, you know, I'm kind of spiraling right now, but I just think that at the end of the day, we all need to be happy and live our truths. And this is a step, if no one can see, I'm raising my empty glass to the- She's like kind of shaking the glass kind of like threateningly, but she's not threatening. She's very happy. (laughs) I'm very happy. And I think this is just like, I'm very excited. Same. And the last thing I'll just say about this, in case you missed it, is I also think this really highlights how important it is to have representation in leadership roles. I'm not just talking about Kathleen Wynne, although that is an incredible um, moment for the queer community to have a gay woman not only be in a position of power, but also to speak to this other group of leaders and to, con- not, I, don't, I don't know if she convinced them necessarily, maybe they already had their mind made up, but she definitely like inspired them. And then also, you know, all the people as part of the school board who were voting whether they should put the flag up or not, they're in positions of power and they made this decision. And I am sure there are some queer people, a part of that board who were representing uh, the queer community in part of this decision as well. So put queer people in positions of power in leadership positions, put people of color in those positions, put women in those positions, because when you do, this happens. (laughs) Like, it's just so obvious to me. Like, good things happen when you do it. So let's do it. Yes. Amen. Amen, my Should friend. I run for office? Yes, you should. I would fully support you if you did. Uh, can you imagine you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine you were like, oh, good job. You're running for mayor. Cool. I'm not voting, I'm not voting for you, but. I will always vote for you. Do, you can do whatever, and I will vote for you, girl. Thank you so much. I'm going to go on American Idol. Okay. Not even Canadian, American. American Idol. <laughs> I'm going to get my American citizenship. Same. Same. Let's oh. move to the States. Okay, honey. I want to move to LA. I really want to go there. If any listeners are from LA, can we stay at your house? <laughs> <laughs> can we trust you? Oh, yeah. We can trust them. Okay. I believe you. Our listeners are the best. Sarah, yeah, we need to go to LA together. Yeah, I would love to. I would love, love, love to. That would be so much fun. We could relax on the beach. Mm, mm-hmm. 
lay there in the sun. <laughs> what else? Roll in the sand. <laughs> I actually am like not a huge sand sand girl, but I'll roll. I'll roll. Let's go into the ocean. Oh God. The waves are wild though. When I was in Malibu, the uh, in the Pacific Ocean, the waves are crazy. I was like, I'm gonna die probably. <laughs> Thanks in- for reiterating what ocean it was. In case y'all thought I was on the Atlantic, your girl was in Malibu. In the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, well, isn't that like a big surf spot? It is. And I decided to wear my Ray-Bans in the ocean and I got knocked around and then I lost my Ray-Bans. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like a sad image. <laughs> just picturing just... you like <laughs> flailing. Well, it was kind of funny because I was so like hot girl energy in my bikini. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prancing in my Ray-Bans to the, to the ocean. And I, I stepped in and I was like, loving my life. And then the freaking big wave comes and I was like, oh, oh, I might die. The wave comes, swoops me up. And I was like, oh, great. This is the end. My Ray-Bans totally knocked off. And then I, I like came back. I emerged. And I was laughing because I was like, this probably looks so embarrassing. And then I, I came back to shore and then my Ray-Bans were gone. But maybe you emerged like Baywatch hot style. Like you thought it was clumsy, but you really were like, boom, hair flip, slow motion. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just walking out like, mm-hmm. love a good Baywatch moment. Okay, P, I love you. I love you too, S. This was a very efficient episode. Good job, us. You know what? Like we said, Sarah and I kind of had like things to do. <laughs> so we were very good at being like, let's schedule this now and let's get rolling. Yeah. Quick peek behind the curtain. Typically when we record, we're recording for three or four hours because we're just talking about God knows what. And we've only been recording for like an hour and a half. So I'm really proud of us. Me too. This is record. Record breaking. <laughs> record breaking. Okay. I love you. I love you too. See you next episode.